Welcome to The Other Coast, the Malifaux podcast out of Southern California. My name's Colgan, and today with me is Jim. Hey, everybody. Hey, Jim. So today we're going to be talking about the hottest topic because we're cool kids, uh, the new Mm -hmm. changes from Gaining Ground Season 2. So we kind of wanted to go over kind of the character changes, or at least the ones we felt like we had something of value to say. And then <laughs> after that, kind of talk about the schemes and the strats, and then mm-hmm. our, our favorite topics, the FAQs to the rules. Yes. And yeah, we're, there's so many great podcasts out there that are going to read you the packet. We're not going to do that to you. So we expect you to be familiar with what we're talking about. But yeah, so Colgan, uh, starting off, I guess we'll do this, you know, by kind of generally following the uh, the release document. And, you know, Arcanist, every faction got touched just about. Mm-hmm. Now, for Arcanists, did you have any particular feelings about anything that happened in Arcanists? As far as like the changes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean the, the I guess there were there weren't a lot of models that were changed, but the changes that were made were pretty big. So you know, like the changes to Colette and the Mechanical Rider, it seemed pretty obvious that Weird wanted to kind of hit the Colette Super Friends list that was making the rounds at the tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I I think we talked about this a little bit. I remember when I first saw the Colette changes, I was just like, oh my god, Weird just killed her. <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> we're never gonna see her again. Mm-hmm. Um, but after, like, I took some time to actually read through it a little bit more, they're, I mean, they're definitely severe. Like, they changed a lot of things. They kind of, mm-hmm. you know, nerfs across the board to, like, pretty much every single action she had. But I kind of like how it opens up the opportunity to actually kind of tweak her keyword a little more. Kind of like how we had talked about previously with the issue we saw with, like, Versatiles kind of covering up weaknesses in a keyword or a master. Mm-hmm. for sure and i mean we did come th- this does come with the changes that we'll touch on later to focus and distracted and we also have a brand new performer in harata natoro out of explorers so you know we have we have a whole lot of changes to colette's crew and how it functions and while she herself is definitely toned down in power. I do think that her keyword isn't gutted. Right. I mean, like, as far as her keyword goes, she was the only one that was directly changed. From how I feel, or, like, my experience playing against Colette, I still feel like she's probably not going to see much competitive play with these nerfs. And I feel like there's going to need to be a few more changes to her keyword before we start seeing her regularly in tournaments again. Um, did you have like similar thoughts or how did you feel about that? You know, I think we'll see her in a couple of the the strats. I mean, all the strats in, in the current packet deal with a strategy marker that is spread across the board. Two of them are in every quarter and the center. And then the other two are shifts based on player placement. But they're all, relatively speaking, spread across the board. Colette can spread across the board with the best of them, with her ability to teleport, all the pushes she has in keyword, and what's her face? Cassandra, she's nimble, so she's got, you know, an extra wall KP. That makes her great for, um, I call it kick the can, but um, break the line, because you're kicking Mm. the can down the road. (laughs) 
But at the same time, like, the duet who did get t- um, touched by the uh, uh, replace rules in the previous version and survived unscathed through this errata, that's a model that can, you know, split up and spread across the board. So I think she has the tools to spread across mm-hmm. the board. She doesn't have the damage that her super friends list could bring, but mm-hmm. she has a min three beater in Harada. She herself can do three damage with her sword trick flat. So you're not worrying about spending focus or cards there. Carlos can do min three effectively. And Cassandra can breath of fire, which is the one of the best actions in the game. So she's got the damage. Yeah. I, I just remember like the times I'd rain run cassandra like i look at her card and like you know i i think she'll be okay but whenever i ran her in game she just ended up dying and accomplishing nothing for me so maybe i'm just like bad at using her but i Mm. i also feel like there's always going to be those models like depending on your play style they'll feel like they just always underperform whether or not they're like not actually good Mm -hmm. yeah i've had i've had that with uh, what was her what was the model um all the times i've tried leviticus and we'll touch on him later it has been a, a complete and utter disappointment the thing that i was just pulling up that i think will be interesting about cassandra is her celebrity ability this is something that winston also has which is when you take the interact you just give somebody within six distracted Mm. so now cassandra is she's beating but she can also just be like oh you have focus on you Uh, no you don't while doing the thing that scores me strategy or scheme points on the whole, yes, Colette definitely got hit, and the Mech Rider got hit too, and it was necessary. Now, when the Mech Rider first started hitting things, you know, it was, oh my gosh, it's reactivating something across the board, and that was like the big deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact you can give it Soulstone Cash means that it can do that reactivation a turn earlier than any other Rider can do its ult. Mm-hmm. that's a big deal it's also kill- it's near things so things are dying near it and you're getting soul stones back um it's drawing cards with its tokens like the mech rider does a lot the the change that they made just makes that reactivate ability reasonable the mech rider is still a great <laughs> model it's just not mm-hmm. like oh i'm here in my deployment zone the cory fee duets on the other side of the board it gets to activate again. <laughs> so it's it's toning it down, although I do think it's kind of interesting that at this point, Weird has touched three of the four original Riders and Yasunori. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Hooded Rider's been eroded yet. So, like, are they on the same plane as Hooded Rider? Or is Hooded Rider just special? I don't know. I, I remember I was looking at some Neverborn cards, and, like, Hooded Rider just... I don't know. It, I could never find like a place for him. It felt like he didn't do anything that was like super unique. I like him in Corrupted Ley Lines the way I like all riders or anyone with ride with me into Corrupted Ley Lines, which is right your early game, you know, lane gra- uh, strat-, strat grabbers. Mm-hmm. But I have seen some horrendous things come out of a great sword swing without needing to charge. Mm-hmm. Like, getting all the uh all the extra blast markers and just hitting four or five models because of the wide swing that was a bad time but yeah it's there's so many good quality beaters in neverborn and neither of us are neverborn players like we're going to be real here right but ultimately i think 
all the riders have been adjusted in some way, and I think the mech rider's adjustment is fair and reasonable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah, I never played against the mech rider too much or played against it that much, so I, I didn't have strong feelings. It seemed like something that was necessary, and it seems fine. But yeah, I guess like the thing that was just kind of like in the back of my mind, it's like weird has just slowly started nerfing down all the riders. So I was like wondering like how big of a gap was there between like what they thought or how they thought the riders should be performing and what the reality of that was once they actually hit the table. That's, I think, something that the playtesting... There's a playtesting method to Weird's Madness. Like, mm-hmm. they do go through playtesting, they do listen to people's comments, they do make changes, and the playtesters are doing what they can, but the fact of the matter is, not every single person in Malifaux is a playtester, and not every game is perfect, and while the playtest community may, you know, test what they can, things do go through the cracks, and I think the writers were all like, oh, these are really good, but the really, like, crazy uses of them only happen once they've been out in the wild for a while, you know? Right, and I mean, that, that's kind of what you'd expect in, you know, like whenever you go through playtests, you're not going to catch everything, and you obviously don't want to spend so much time playtesting that you never actually deliver anything to the players. Right. They definitely wanted the riders to be centerpiece strong models, and the fact that most of them have been eroded, well, I guess they were centerpiece really strong models for a while. Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of mission accomplished... Let's talk about my old faction, Bayou, um, which is, uh, it's still okay, guys. The Bayou is still a real <laughs> faction. Um, so, like, they hit Sommer. The changes to Sommer were coming. Anyone who played Sommer or played against Sommer would tell you that the changes were going to come. And the fact remains is that he really only lost access to one abusive trick, and everything else is kind of a side grade. So like the abusive trick was the the Bayou Bomb, where you summon however many Bayou Gremlins you can, all in engagement of something. You blew them up with your blow-up ability, and you got a butt-ton of free shots out of p- old pig-eating grit. That's gone, which is good, because Samar shouldn't be able to do two damage in a pulse plus three to four extra shots from a gun like georgian olaf's gun for one action it takes way too long there's a lot of moving parts and it just it feels uninteractive it's not fun the changes to summer feel good yes by two card going to once a turn does kind of hurt but we have a thing called a lucky effigy or a lucky emissary who can give us old Bayou 2 card back. That tool is still in our toolbox. We just have to pay a little extra for it now. Sommer's gun is really good, and he's in a crew with a model that can let him focus as a bonus action, and a faction with a general upgrade that lets him get a focus when he walks. It is entirely possible for Sommer to take two focused shots a turn, every turn, with a 2-3 blast, 4 blast blast, that does stunning Summer has a lot of good stuff on his card. This These changes are fine, and he's going to continue to be good. Now, whether or not he's good in gaining grounds, that's a different kettle of fish. He is still very bubbly, 
as a keyword, and I don't know how bubbles are going to do in gaining grounds too. I I, I never played against Summer since I'm not a, or I never played it as Summer since I'm not a Bayou player, but like overall the changes to him seem fine. Like Bayou 2 card going down once in activation seemed good because like having to go up against like defensive plus flips all the time or like pseudo plus flips all the time just felt bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i mean like overall i guess we'll go into more details later but i really do like the changes to the summoners that they made in gg2 yes i i concur those are all good reasonable changes um have you did you ever go up against sparks or did you use sparks because you play mayfang I used Sparks a couple of times. Um, I remember like having to reread his Scrapyard Mines ability like three or four times every game because it was mm-hmm. like so hard to really imagine exactly what it was doing just because of how it was worded. Mm-hmm. And then within Mayfang itself, it felt like past turn one, I didn't really have a lot for him to do because I didn't want him like right up in the action. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, all right, he passes out upgrades, and then maybe if I can get some scrapyard mines off, if there's a safe place for him to railwalk to, it could be okay. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't end up using him too much. Yeah. From the Bayou perspective, Sparks was a model that at the start of the third edition, he seemed to have, you either love him or hate him, and that didn't really seem to change. Mm-hmm. I played against a Mayfang player in one of the Malifa World Series event games where he brought Sparks. And he his po- whole plan was to do Bombs in Your Belly, which is no longer there. But he would do that on May and on the Metal Golem. And first mm-hmm. off, giving someone an ability that says, when you punch me, I do a damage back to you based on how hard you hit me, and you don't get a say in it, that's another one of those non-interactive game mechanics that they got rid of which is really good Mm -hmm. but also it had there was this weird anti-synergy with mayfang's crew because in arcanists mayfang has that diesel engine upgrade right Mm -hmm. and you also have the vent steam ability and so you're like i've got you've got concealment galore and the attack that sparks used to give out bombs was an attack that didn't have a claw action and had a tn so he would be on negatives to hit his own dude to give them bombs. And in this mm-hmm. tournament game, the opponent forgot that. He thought he could just relent. And he deployed everything in a concealment bubble because he didn't want to get blown off the board. And I'm like, okay, uh, try and put bombs on, but you're on negatives. And it completely ruined Sparks' activation for him. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's that kind of, oops, I did something that seemed thematic and in, in line with my keyword. And I'm punished for it. Right. That's not a fun feeling for someone. So Mm -hmm. changing it to now being... Now he's more of a support commander piece is good. And yes, um, the memes will happen. Sparks as a leader needs to happen. There needs to be (laughs) a Metal Golem, Whiskey Golem crew. I need to put two gremlin in a ghillie suit on a Metal Golem. Yeah, Metal Golem to make him a height five model because i can (laughs) it's so dumb Uh, but um in all seriousness this opens up some kind of interesting play because i think there's room for henchmen leaders in the game that is starting to be tapped into 
not always. They're definitely dark horse picks, but this gives you a lot of interesting things to try out. I, I'm excited for this particular change. Yeah. I mean, hearing you talk about that tournament game, I I think that probably one of the one main reason I didn't touch Sparks as much is because when I was playing Mayfang, was I was new to the game and like everything about him was very confusing to me as a new player. Mm-hmm. Like bombs in the belly, it's like so they hit me and I blast back, but it was it was just like it was a lot of weird mechanics and rules to wrap your head around, and they seemed pretty unique to Sparks himself. Like it wasn't really replicated anywhere else within any of his keywords or like in any mm-hmm. other model I remember in the game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, like. There's exactly one other keyword I can think of that gives out upgrades offensively off the top of my head, and I'm pretty sure that's just Jackdaw's crew, and they're all curses. And Mm. they all just are like, here, you get this debuff. That's reasonable to understand, you know, like, oh, you put a curse on me, I have a debuff. This is, I put a curse on my own dude that I do things when you do things, but technically, it's Sparks who does it, not me or the model that has the upgrade or the model that's attacking. Like, I get what they were trying to do, you know. Mm-hmm. But this new way is a lot more streamlined and, and more player friendly. Yeah, I feel like it fits a lot better into like the general theme of M3E. And yeah, looking at it, I yeah, just I, I really like it because now I can just read the card and be like, okay, this is how I should be using him. Yeah, and as I I read somewhere, it was pointed out that now Sparks can make himself a robot if he wants to. (laughs) Because previously, he could only make other people a robot, but now he can make himself a robot. Why he would do that, I don't know, but he could. But yeah, so not much in the bayou that needed to be changed, which I think speaks to the power level of the bayou. The guild had a couple of changes, but neither of us really play guild. But we have talked at length about Jonathan Reichardt and the Frontier crew. And Mm -hmm. I think that Jonathan is now truly a phenomenal model for his cost and his keyword. I'm very excited to see him on the table. Yeah, I was really happy with the changes to him. Um, honestly, like the biggest thing for me was him finally getting the execute action because that just bothered me so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, I'm the henchman executioner that forgot how to do my fucking job. Well, you know, he he that maybe that's why he is not an executioner anymore. Maybe he got fired. But uh, True, true. It doesn't matter now because he remembered it. And he also has the most impressive stare. Now... Stoic Nod isn't, in fact, a terrible action. Uh, Handing out Staggered is pretty good. He's in a great place. Fiona is no longer encouraging mono builds in Guild. That is a good thing. Guild have other tools at their disposal that I think will make them okay in gaining grounds too, but I am not a Guild player. I understand a lot of people are upset that Fiona got hit, but... She is still valid, especially in journalist crews. If you still want to have a model that's your... Everyone funnels their attacks through me piece, you have the Guardian, who's armor 2 and has take the hit and 
does most of that old job that Fiona used to just can't use soul stones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the changes in GG2 were trying to steer people more towards like hiring more thematic keyword crews, like -hmm. seeing how they, you know, targeted those nerfs to kind of stop the clutch super friends. You know, they're buffing Jonathan a bit to make it so like, oh, you actually want to use your frontier guys. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the nerf to Fiona to stop her from just being the wonderkund in guild. This this is, a you know, just a tangent. One of the big conversation points in any minis game is like, we've talked about it. New new person starts is like, hey, can you give me a list for something? Mm. And there's two kinds of responses you'll get. You'll get the... Well, what's the scheme pool, strat pool? What are your what's your opponent playing? You have got to tailor your list for everything. And the what are the lists for the tournament? Okay, here are the lists for the tournament. Here's the list I play every time. So it's a spe- there's a spectrum between set list and flex list because mm-hmm. most crews have a a core of models that you always take that's going to be different for each person. And when you see a faction start to stagnate into the core becoming bigger and bigger and being agnostic of the leader. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it needs a d- adjustment, whether or not this is the adjustment guild needs. I don't know. Controversial opinion. I think family might actually be doing really good into gaining grounds too, because of the changes to pushes towards in a way. And I know that their big mechanic is they could stack focus with family values, but Family values focus is capped at two. Is that a bad thing? Well, you can also draw cards with family values. The fact of the matter is, you have models that are mobile and can spread out, and that's what the gaining grounds calls for. Yeah, and I feel like the focus cap won't affect you as much when you can concentrate with such efficiency, right? Like, I'm going to move mm-hmm. and gain a focus when I want to. So, not, you know, having a cap of two, I feel like isn't going to be as big of an issue as opposed to like some mm-hmm. other crews where. The idea was like, all right, turn one, pulse out all this focus, and we're just going to ride it up for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it's also like the tournament, the gaining grounds packets, the, the the schemes and strategy that you can build out of any set of schemes and strategies, like those by default do impact crew power levels without needing to errata them, mm-hmm. which I think we're going to see in things like the Boogeyman Cadmus, I don't think they're going to be nearly as potent with the changes to the strategies and schemes and the summoning changes. But um, moving along from Guild, because we've already moved along from Guild, <laughs> so Neverborn. <laughs> Neverborn also got adjusted, and I know that there's some feelings here. Yeah, so um, I'm not a Neverborn player, but my wife plays a lot of Dreamer. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was upset. She didn't actually read the changes because she doesn't, she doesn't care that much but mm-hmm. when she heard like the dreamer was getting nerfed she's like you did this like, you're summoning episodes you did this to me i'm like no 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 <laughs> but like re- reading through the changes like i i do like the changes and i like the direction they're going um i did have some issues with the dreamer changes mainly kind of from like a thematic standpoint it just bothers me at a core level that your master has an ability that makes your like keyword ability worse like they would be doing better if the dreamer wasn't around to like fuck up their plans and that just bothers me so i hear what you're saying and i get it now mechanically this is folks who have played against dreamer know 
that if built to make maximum use of lucid dreams, Dreamer can get to a point by turn three where he's just not failing a target number. Hmm. He, I mean, yes, he theoretically can, but you can filter out so much of the deck that you're just going to not fail so often that it can snowball and become a real feels bad for your opponent. The fact that so many people were saying online and in various communities that Dreamer was the objectively competitive choice in the faction that build, that tends towards mono building again, that tends to lack of variety. Now, I think that we are going to still see Dreamer because while it does reduce the effectiveness of Lucid Dreams, it still takes the cards out of the deck for at least two turns mm-hmm. because they're going into the discard pile the, instead of being shuffled back in. So it's still giving you that, just you're not late game going to snowball as hard. And my personal strong favorite is that this might encourage more people to run Widow Weaver as a leader. Because let me tell you, Widow Weaver as a leader has legs. Eight of them, in fact. Joking aside, she actually is a competent leader and gets full strength out of Lucid Dreams. I I was going to say, one of the funny things that I didn't really realize how these changes would affect it, but, you know, as I said, my wife plays Dreamer a lot, and she really likes the Barely together, so she always hires in three of them, and she really likes the Widow Weaver, so she always runs the Widow Weaver. Mm -hmm. And, like, before when she played, she wouldn't lucid dream that aggressively, but after the Vivid Nightmares thing came in, she was like, oh, I just have to do it all the time because half the cards are going back into my deck. And it actually improved her play because now she was just constantly (laughs) lucid dreaming, and she always had high cards to cheat in with her stitch together, and she didn't care that Dreamer lost the ability to summon him. She's like, I have the Widow Weaver. Like, why do I care? <laughs> so she was like, right. uh, she was like, oh, this he, he's just better now. I'm like, oh, okay. Wait a second. Wait a second. Are you, are, are you suggesting... Uh, I'm, I'm literally just processing this right now. So mm-hmm. previously, Lucid Dreams was used to filter th- weak cards out of the deck specifically to make your flips better. Mm-hmm. What you're suggesting is you filter out strong and weak cards depending on how you're doing throw the weak cards back in your trash pile and save the high cards in your lucid dream pile specifically for stitched yes and it turns lucid dream into just making stitched better so yes this is actually a stitched buff (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like i i don't think it's you know obviously lucid dream was hit because now you have to throw in some cards but like i think like kind of an interesting side effect is that now lucid dreaming isn't as reliant on stitch together to make sure you're not like just rng into like three severes and like fuck this is gone forever now Mm -hmm. i mean you still you're still gonna lose it for two turns which hurts but it's kind of it's kind of an interesting Mm trade-off and yeah the unintended effect of making dreamers lucid dreaming mechanic a lot more obvious as to how it should be used to newer players i think is actually really cool that's an un- that's something I honestly did not think about until you just brought it up. Right. That is a really that's really clever, and you're right. Va- both Widow Weaver and the Enforcer Vasilisa can still hire can still summon Stitched, so you're not feeling as a as a Dreamer player that you have to summon everything with him. So it encourages you to play with more of your toys. Yeah, my wife started using Alps, and she's like, "Oh, Alps are good." I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> 
So maybe maybe we'll see like the overall level of Dreamer players rise as a whole now. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, that's great. And just to, just to put a pin in the Dreamer conversation, Serena Bowman, his enforcer, she also got adjusted. And I think these adjustments were good and necessary, and she is still a phenomenal support piece. She's just not four victory points in one model good. Yeah, I, I hated playing against Serena because like, I have no good way of dealing with her. Like She's going to sit in the back, hit my guys when she wants to, heal all her guys when she wants to. And even mm-hmm. if I do manage to kill her, it's like, oh, she's, she's just got Demise Eternal. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got me near death after the Demise Eternal? I'll just heal myself twice. <laughs> but no, all in all, the changes to Dreamer and his keyword, I think, were... They were necessary shavings off the power level but they certainly do not make him a non-competitive master frankly his keyword is like great in gaining grounds like capellius Mm -hmm. is really good like we've talked about capellius before and he has really high movement and can eat other scheme runners and this is a, a pool that rewards that yeah, I think the change to make it so stitched together can't be summoned. I, I still feel like there probably need to be some tweaks to the stitch together. Um, exactly how that's going to happen, I'm not entirely sure. I think having it, you know, like the changes to the summoners along with like not being able to summon the stitch together, I think will basically force people to actually hire them instead of just summoning these like six, amazing six point models, mm-hmm. which I think is good. But I mean, I still feel like, you know, with Lucid Dreaming and the, um, what, Fiendish Gamble, I think is mm-hmm. the ability to call, it can still f- create like a lot of feels bad. Like they're sitting on those high cards and just, like, all right, if I attack this dish together, I, it's probably going to fail unless I'm going to pitch like a severe to hit. You know, the Dreamer player isn't actually really losing anything effectively. I, I can see that. I, I would counter by su- suggesting that the fact that when you do the lucid dream, your opponent knows what you've pulled out, mm-hmm. it allows them a, a modicum of, well, I know he has the 13, so I don't have to worry about him cheating it from his hand. Mm-hmm. Like, I can I can plan for him to do the cheating from the out of the... And you only cheat once in activation, right? You only cheat once from the out of game pile? Correct. Only once per activation. So, I mean, that's, that's better than just, you know, sh- machine gunning... Severe's out of your disc, out of your remove from game pile. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying, but I think it's in order to really capture the they gamble with fate, but they cheat while doing it. Feel we'll we'll see how they turn out, but I, I think they're in a decent place now. I'm looking forward to playing against it more. I do feel like like we were saying, I do like the changes overall, and I think it puts Dreamer in a better place and it makes it so... I know a lot of people are saying that they can start playing Dreamer again now because they don't feel like they're just kind of, I guess, like running the strongest crew mm-hmm. in the game just to like stomp everyone in their local meta, which is mm-hmm. always a nice feeling. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no one likes feeling like they're a jerk for playing the models they want to play. Right? Yeah, and like, honestly, Dreamer, I think, you know, there's so many stories about people getting drawn to Malifaux because of Dreamer and his lore, and it's great that mm-hmm. you don't have to have this kind of like guilt or i guess not as much guilt anymore you might still right. have some guilt yeah it'll be, <laughs> it'll be like uh, warhammer tau players like right now tau are, are terrible in warhammer apparently mm-hmm. but like for a brief moment they had their time in the sun and it was the worst thing to face against them and people still carry those feels bads around 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of models who carry fuel bads around but are no longer having their moment in the sun, I'm a bad outcast player. Leviticus got changed significantly. I'm not going to dwell on it. He's still viable, but he may not be viable in Gaining Grounds 2 to the extent that other masters are. Moving on. <laughs> Seriously, other <laughs> other podcasts will go in more detail on them. I do not have the knowledge or understanding of Leviticus's crew to opine on it in the way that I can opine on Talos. Talos is back, baby. My gosh. Let's let's talk about Talos. I've played a fair bit of Terra. I enjoy Terra's mechanic. I enjoy her story. One thing I never enjoyed was how Terra's entire crew is based around very fast, slow, moving around the board, terrifying, incorporeal. And then you have Talos, a big hunk of metal who's slow, who doesn't bury, who can't hit buried people, who's just kind of like, you know, why are you there, right? So he de- he's gone. He doesn't have victim st- stats anymore. Previously, he had armor too and could easily be hit. Defense 4 and armor and any other kind of defensive kit doesn't make you a tank. I know people are like, oh man, uh, this guy has so many wounds under armor. If they can hit you, they will hit you. And if someone's bringing armor, ignoring guns or irreducible damage, it's kind of like an arms race between, well, if someone brings Talos, I just bring my anti-armor tech if Talos were a threat. (laughs) But that's the problem is like you never needed to take anti-armor tech. Yes, you could shoot him and, and plink away damage at him, but he had... He was too easy to kill. He didn't mm-hmm. synergize with the crew. And he, like, he had things that would bury, but the things that happened when he buried people, like triggers and such, the timing was off so that he actually couldn't do his trigger on the model he's burying right then. Mm-hmm. Now he can bury models. He can punch buried models. So he can interact with buried models in the way that his crew wants him to. He's faster. He's harder to hit like, you know, a reasonable model. And I just think he is bringing that second beater, second tanky beater that Terra's crew wanted, mm-hmm. that previously you either hired out of keyword or you just didn't take her into killy pools because you didn't have a viable second beater. Now, he's... I'm trying to put into words what I'm feeling. And what I'm feeling is, now I think he's a snap pick in most Terra crews, unless you have to go, like, hella wide Mm -hmm. in which case you probably take midnight stalker he slots in so nicely now okay i'm done ranting yeah just to add i remember looking at terra's crew um a long time back when i first started and talos always just seemed weird to me because it's like he gives out burning but no one else in her keyword cares about burning so it's like i I guess it's kind of cool that you give them burning and i guess we just kind of sit around and hope they burn to death in the void (laughs) like Yeah, it was that was like trying to be cute with the, uh, oh, you took um, take prisoner or uh, vendetta or hidden martyrs on this model. I'm gonna punch it to near death and set it on fire so it dies in my belly. The fact that flames of the void now actually does something with burning to make it harder for people to unbury is really cool. Mm-hmm. Not harder for the glimpse of the void trigger, but you know what I mean. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was just, it was really cool seeing these changes. I I honestly like love all these changes, even if it's like factions or models I don't play that add some flavor to it or like give them some kind of purpose in the game. Because yeah, looking at the old Talos stat card, I was just like, I don't know why you bring this guy. 
it's like there's some very like niche cases but it 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 just he didn't you know you would never take him out of keyword and even in keyword he just seemed kind of like baggage (laughs) yeah no that's that's what he was i remember so many games where i'm like okay i'm bouncing around i'm running the crew up this way and then i have an activation with talos and it's literally just walk walk okay maybe next turn i can be relevant again you know one thing just taking another quick look at him he has leeching Mm -hmm. strength as a trigger on his hammer and his bonus attack both of those heal Mm -hmm. the fact that he has healing self that's actually really cool Um, i hadn't put that together but like thematically if he's putting people on fire and he's healing off of them talos has that's a really cool theme of him like actually like converting people into nothingness and drawing essence from that yeah definitely it'll it'll be nice to see um what happens now that he you can actually use him i have feelings about the midnight stalker i have said on several occasions and experienced on several occasions midnight stalker single-handedly scoring me four victory points or more because he was the best Sillerid. He had fast and leap, and so he was one model who could do all of my actions that I needed to do for breakthrough, for symbols of authority, for plant explosives, and he could do it with the con- he could do it with the knowledge that it's really hard to kill him. Demise Eternal was a big deal, and I know for a lot of people it was frustrating, especially with the hard to kill upgrade. And I agree that mm-hmm. Outcast having an upgrade that can give you hard to kill. I mean, at that point, he's a 10-stone model, but he's a 10-stone unkillable model. And like we said with Serena, unkillable models are not fun because they're not interactive. Oh, you spent a lot of resources trying to do this. Well, you didn't spend enough. Now they're gone. This is, Malifaux is a game about resources and models that take like an extreme number of resources to deal with and have high uh, have several um, failure points in that whole process, they feel real bad. And thematically, you know, the Midnight Stalker is Springhill Jack. He's a murderer who runs around jumping and scaring people, not running around and planting daisies somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Work of art's really cool. Yeah, I really like how now it's like, oh, Midnight Stalker might actually encourage you to kill something. <laughs> right, like... He can now hunt a scheme runner while still doing his job as a schemer. And sure, he's got an unsuited leap, but, you know, an unsuited leap's not bad if all you need is a three of masks. You can hold a card for it, or you just use it as a showboating opportunity. It's going to be interesting to see what Honorable does in the new version of distracted because he explicitly says your opponent doesn't care about distracted. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, you don't suffer the negative from distracted so it looks like it still ticks down but with distracted becoming more powerful this is actually like that's that makes that ability worse in comparison no i mean like i I agree i think it's good changes yeah it was just it was terrible because like you were saying it's like sure with the upgrade he's a 10 point model but you need to devote way more than 10 stones worth of models to even have like a somewhat reliable chance of killing him and you don't kill him he just leaps away and then with fast he's like gone and you can't catch him mm-hmm. it was just like it was so frustrating to play against and it was like like after they got past a certain point you would just kind of ignore him i just need to focus on scoring my points because i if i try and chase him to deny those points 
and I fail and it's not a high chance in the first place, you're just completely blown out of the game because all your resources are spent chasing this one guy mm -hmm. and you no longer have what you need to try and score points other places on the board. Yeah, yeah, that's not fun. Other than that, I think Outcast did all right with the changes. We're going to talk about the upgrades later. Moving along, there's a lot of changes in Rezzers. Neither of us are really Rezzer players, but we are exclusively known for our hatred of Tashiro and how powerful the Ashigaru are. So somehow, the mighty Ashigaru evaded Arata, but they did touch Tashiro. And I don't know about you, Golgan, but I think that our the reign of terror is over. It's done. We can we can retire our pitchforks. Yes. Ashigaru are, for their cost, tanky, good models. But if you're paying five stones for them, they're giving you what you're paying for. Mm -hmm. Toshiro bringing them in off of an admittedly uh, abusive cycle that the old Yan Lo had, that was unfun. So that's gone, and that's for the good of the game. Toshiro himself, I really don't know how much you're going to see him. Like, yeah, he can give buffs to minions, and he can do some kind of healing and giving out buffs. I said buffs twice, but, like, I don't know what he really does for you at this point. Mm -hmm. But I've only seen him in the in the context of, I make two Ashigaru return, and then once the Ashigaru made, I go around and maybe I punch someone with my sword? Like, there's probably a build somewhere that takes that uses it i don't know have you played much with or against yan lo not too much i just i think like the last yan lo game i played was karis versus jeff's yan lo and that just mm -hmm. that kind of spawned partially when we talked about condition masters and traumatizing with my fire golem just losing all his burning and dying in the course of like two activations gotcha yeah uh, Ooh, that that's a shame well it's it happens um but you know who's not going to do that to you anymore von stuck von stuck yeah i i am so happy about the true disappointment trigger it just it made no sense to me that he just had uncapped damage and could like out nuke like sonia with burning when i'm running around with like karis you know it's like oh i want to be on fire so i can get plus plus and von stuck's like oh now i'm gonna kill you with the seven burning you have like have fun with that yeah that was an i don't know what was going on Mm -hmm. I'm glad they capped it. I'm glad that Hamlin still is uncapped for his damage from Blight. Granted, I think Blight is... It can be harder to build up than a condition. Uh, but that's a different mm -hmm. conversation for a different day. I think the big thing from the changes to the Transmortis keyword is that you're no longer getting insane value from the Valedictorian. Right. With But they didn't do anything to the valedictorian which i think is the the elegant thing here von stuck does seem a little he seems to be in a weird spot now mm -hmm. functionally he's a min to blast master who can support his crew undergrads you might see one for their pushing because with it and the research assistant valedictorian can still charge someone 6, 12, 18, 19 inches out of the deployment zone, turn 1, and get up to 3 attacks with a shovel side trigger and a flurry. That's still pretty good, but it's a lot less uh, oppressive than Valedictorian getting 5 attacks because she's fast, got pushed further, 
got focus and all that jazz summoning a nice shiny new right <laughs> transmortis um undergrads still have made to kill so when you summon one in it can still punch somebody but now you're not just saying oh i'm going to discard one of the billion cards i've drawn this game this turn to teleport halfway across the board punch you with a decent attack and then punch you two more times to get three attacks out of a minion to say nothing about the walkings that you don't the walk actions you don't have to take from teleporting by your side is an insanely strong ability and putting it on a model with a good damage track like that is was something that needed to be changed mm-hmm. especially when people were so here, here's a here's a dilemma i have on one hand i think it was really cool that you could buy von stuck's box and pretty much run it plus valedictorian plus you know whatever filler you want and that was a great start for a reser player right Mm -hmm. you don't need the other students but the other students are models and they should be hired like i think you're going to see a lot of student of viscera which is i think the snake student i call it the snake student because it's it's got deadly pursuit it has a high movement is unimpeded it has a similar damage track to valedictorian like, that thing can get fast, and it's speedy enough to run up and run a flank and, and do some damage. The other students have their uses, too. Like, you can turn off armor with Student of Steel. Student of Flesh exists. I don't know much about it. But, like, this makes his build... You have more flexibility in it. And turn one Alpha Strikes, I think, are... They are rough for the game when it feels like you can't do anything about it. Like, they still exist, because Nakima still exists. But Nakima is also, like, all she has are soul stones and bleeding on you and trying to kill you before you kill her. Or you spend upgrades for, you know, scamper and stuff. But Valedictorian's armor, hard to wound, soul stones, on top of having, you know, the conversion of turning one of your models into one of their models. That's a lot of feels bad to happen turn one. And the fact that everyone knew that Von Stuck was going to take a valedictorian and launch it into your face turn one, 90% of the time, that provide that's stagnant play, that's stagnant list building, that's not good for the crew and not good for the faction. So I'm happy with the changes. I do think that Von Stuck needs to figure out what he wants to do and I have no idea, as someone looking at his card, what he's going to do. Yeah, I agree. I like the changes. And it reminds me, I remember when we had some newer players, and you know, we were t- I was talking to them about the crews. Mm-hmm. And when they had interest in Von Stuck, they're like, oh, what does he play like? Like, what does he want to do? Me reading the cards, he just felt like good stuff. There wasn't a very direct line of play. It's like, oh, Nelly, she wants to scheme. She's trying to avoid combat. Like, Karis wants to set shit on fire. Mei Fang wants to bounce around and punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. But then Von Stuck, he was like, oh, he... All those guys are just all kind of really good. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. nice damage tracks, like two, four, five spike damage tracks. He can give out fast. He can punish anyone that has conditions. So you never have to worry about condition masters. You just have the counter built in. His um, totem has like an amazing shockwave attack for whatever reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it was just like, and, you know, he just draws you a bunch of cards and he has a really easy way of just generating scheme markers without having to take interact actions. He can eat enemy scheme markers and turn them into yours or like, and it was just like, he's just kind of like good at everything. And it's like, mm-hmm. what does he want to do? And it's like, I, I didn't have a straight answer. He's just like, yeah, he just does a lot of things. So like, 
I, I like how they're bringing him down. And yeah, I hope like now we can kind of like focus on like, what do we want him to be good at? Like what should kind of his role be within the, you know, like the greater Malifaux meta or within, I guess, the resurrectionists rather than just yeah. being the guy that you take because he can kind of handle anything. Well, he's still, I still think he is the generalist, but he has, mm-hmm. he's a generalist who wants to be in the middle of a, a scrum, which plays into what Anna wants and he's spending his actions, you know, telling other people in his crew what to do. Mm-hmm. So in a way, he kind of reminds me of a Lucius at this point, you know, he's trading down his AP, but he's trying to do so in a way that is efficient. So like academic broadcast is either a push or focus. Well, if you do it with focus, that's great. Turn one. Later turns, it can be like, oh, I pushed to get out of engagement, but you're not, like, double-downing. The scheme marker dropping is becoming an aura instead of across the board. That just made sense. Yeah. Having someone who's like, oh, I just accidentally killed you across the board, and because he might be looking, I make a scheme marker. But the thing is, he's definitely not a damage dealer, which is fine. Rezzers have damage dealers. Um, he, I think he is in that kind of... I think he's in a positional play style of crew, where his crew is the what your where the meat of your activations are going to be, and he's probably going to be one of the less important activations, which is interesting. But we'll see in time. I think we're on the thunders now. Yep. And I have some feelings about several of these, but I do want to go a little bit quick on these, because I think we could go in-depth on Yoko. And I kind of want to think about doing an episode on new Yoko because she's she's a brand new card. She's a brand new master. For one, she... I'm skipping ahead, so I'm, but I'm going to run with it. She just... She has gone from being a master whose actions were applying soft control to your opponent. Soft control being your opponent gets to make the best choice for their situation for all the questions you're asking which means you're usually getting the worst control result from each attempt. To apply hand pressure, which is a it is a thing, but needs to be backed up with target number pressure and things that punish having no hand, which her crew really lacked. A mechanic that could only turn on from turn 3 onwards at the earliest in the form of leverage. She can now fuel from the turn 1 onward. And, you know, she's a back... She's, she's a crime boss, knowing information person who's like, gee, it'd be a shame if your kid didn't come back from Little League and you're like, how did you know my kid was at Little League? I know things. Like, she goes from that to being an actual spy master. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go into her on, on a, in depth on another episode, but your thoughts on her real quick? Yeah, the the same thing. I love the changes. I I remember I was trying to coach a newer player on how to use Yoko, and like after reading through everything, it's like oh, she doesn't feel like a master. <laughs> like her actions, mm-hmm. like I love the fact that now um, I forget the name of the action, but the one that gives out distracted actually has like a trigger for every suit. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I think it had one or maybe two. Mm-hmm. And two. Yeah, it, was, it felt so bad that your master's like main like use was to hand out distracted. <laughs> it's like what the right. fuck. Because distracted was a terrible condition. Everyone can take, you know, distracted existed in a world where focus would nullify distracted and still give you a benefit to damage. So it 
functionally did nothing for the cost of one AP, mm-hmm. or for another model's AP, they could remove one to three distracted. So if you had a like a insignificant model or a just a cheap activation, you didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, I'll just assist it away. I spent a master car- master action and maybe a card to give you up to two distracted, and your minion, insignificant minion, just undid my work. It's a feels bad. Now she's doing it with triggers on everything. All the triggers are good triggers. Mm-hmm. And she can use Distracted as a resource now. Like before she was like, I put Distracted on you and maybe my Kunoichi will hit you with a ram and do more damage. But then she's in melee with you and that feels bad. Mm-hmm. To now it's like, oh, you have Distracted. Now I'll tell you something to do. You wanted to get into range to use that disc- draw cards when enemies discard aura to help you keep that hand control. And you would end up spending as many cards as you would draw to force the discards. So it was like a net mm-hmm. nothing. Now it's like, oh, I'm just here. If you want to do things in the order you want to do them, you have to discard cards, which gives me a resource. Now I'm asking you a question. It's still kind of soft control. You're asking a question your opponent gets to choose. But the question's a lot. The choice is a lot harder and a lot more punishing. No, just across the board, I love the changes. I like the second I saw them drop, I just like DM'd that Yoko flame. I'm like, oh my god, you can use her now. <laughs> yeah, Yoko is probably the only success story for the Ten Thunders this edition. This arrival, <laughs> Lucas McCabe is no longer a melee god who kills you with pulse damage. He is now a proper schemey supporty master like he i think was intended to at the start Mm -hmm. he's no longer anti-synergistic with telling people here take this upgrade that i spent resources generating and discard it for a simple dual pulse that your opponent can cheat to pass Um, which is not it's a nice quality of life improvement and the fact that he has a leader only ability is really nice because i was seeing so many crews of mccabe that were mccabe luna Everything else is out of keyword or versatile because you would do things like take a Jorogumo and give it a lightsaber and hey, that's better than a Huckster. But you know what? If you take a Huckster, now you can uh, teleport much easier with that plus two to your TNs and that fits in with a schemier McCabe. So in in a pool like GG2 where everything's about spreading out, Having your entire crew that has spread out abilities that became easier. Looking at Rough Riders, Rough Riders ride with me that has a built that has a trigger on a tome to heal. That got easier. Jesse Holiday is it's easier now for her to drop markers and generate resources for you. It really makes me think that they have a they had an idea for what they wanted McCabe to do, and this brings it in line with that. I'm excited for the McCabe change. Yeah, honestly, seeing these McCabe changes like made me sympathize with the people who now feel okay with running Dreamer because I picked up the Wild Ones box and like oh, I want to run him, but after mm-hmm. seeing like a battle report with like the McCabe melee combo, I was like, I don't, I don't think I can use him. Mm-hmm. It just felt too gross. Yeah, no, I've I've been on the receiving end, and I, frankly, I've been the giver of the McCabe combo before, and the the number of times I'm like, well, guess you're dead. Like I played. Uh, one of my buddies from the Swamp Fiends Discord, he was running Ulex. I ran McCabe. I ran McCabe into Ulex turn one, and I killed, I think, a handful of his models. He ultimately killed McCabe because I ran him in like turn one, and he could punch me back. But I was still able to just get in and just do a horrendous amount of damage just passively. 
to that end, another master who is like really, really strong, who is now toned down, is Jan Lowe. We've talked about him before. I haven't really played with him. I've played against him a few times. I'm not comfortable like really commenting on him, only that I am certain that he is still viable, and he's probably going to spend more time healing his crew now. But he has removed the abusive cycle a uh, cycling his crew to have activation control turn one and generate ashigaru and i think that's good for the game i don't know if you ever encountered that but it was so you had chiaki right and chiaki mm-hmm. was an ancestor so she created a reliquary when she died and she could give out reliquaries so you would take her izamu manos sun kang and Gokudo, and then whatever else to taste. And what you can do was, my Chiaki will Spirit Flute, and will give so-and-so's upgrade to this model. Okay. Oh yeah, it would give it... I will give Toshiro's upgrade to this Gokudo. I would give... I would then have Izamu kill Chiaki to give her upgrade to a different Gokudo. That Gokudo would turn into... Chiaki, and drop a corpse. Old Toshiro would summon an Ashigaru off the corpse. In Rezzer, this is in Rezzers, mind you. Sorry, I know it's going long ways, but you could do, You can see where I'm going here. Like, you take Anna Lovelace and you blow up Toshiro, and then you summon a new Toshiro off the uh, one that had his upgrade. So you get two go- uh, Gokudo up the board, two corpses, a fresh Chiaki to give out more upgrades, a fresh Toshiro to summon another Ashigaru, all turn one. You're not leaving your deployment zone. You're just sitting there dirtling. Dirtling is something that I think, I know I've been guilty of, but it's something that Weird clearly doesn't want in the game because a lot of the dirtling effects, like focus bombs, activation shenanigans, have been toned down in this release. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sun King was part of that in the in the healing, and he's also been touched, so it's like... Yeah, I, I like how they're changing it to be a little bit more active because I did play a few crews and I guess there was some satisfaction like knowing how to set up turn one and like being able to like hit all the points you want to like buff up your guys before going into battle. Mm-hmm. It did kind of take away from it because like your turn one was so static that mm-hmm. it was like you don't actually care about your opponent or you don't have time to worry about positioning or setting up for, you know, the rest mm-hmm. of the game. I mean, unpacking is a... Is a is an important skill to learn in Malifaux. And I'm not saying that having a set turn one is bad, but having a set turn one that your opponent can't interact with at all. It comes. It keeps coming back to your opponent can't interact with you. So you're not playing the same game. You're both playing your own games. Your opponent might as well not be there, right? Mm-hmm. To that end, the Tanuki got hit. Frankly, I think the Tanuki got hit because at the start of GG1, you saw people using the Tanuki to put focus on people. And then later on, they're like, oh, I could just do this with Shenlong. And no one ever bothered to say, like, Tanuki are actually not, like, horribly oppressive, guys. But they're changed, and they'll probably come with uh, uh, Brewmaster. But I don't know if you're going to see them. I think you're going to see uh, Low River Monks if you want healing. Or Sun Kang, who's still a good healer. So that's kind of like our in- our personal reactions to the models that have changed. Three upgrades changed, and I think we can just be real quick on these. Magical training literally just changed so that you can't put on a soulstone miner. 
yes, you can't put on other constructs too, but it was Soulstone Miners that were Barry and be out of the game so your opponent couldn't do couldn't actively try and remove your bonus card. That's it. I think it's going to encourage people to hire their minions in keyword that are living, like Showgirls and Firebranded and Silent Ones, and I think that's good for the game. Wanted Criminal was an upgrade. It existed. I honestly don't remember what it did. Like The only thing it really did was, and I'm going to get grilled for this by the other Outcast players, but like it was useful in Parker because it gave you protection money. So when you dropped an enemy scheme marker, you could draw cards. And so Parker could draw cards. The new one really encourages you to have minions on the flanks. And in this pool of GG2, I think flanking minions is going to be super useful, especially when most of the strategy markers have the blocking trait, which means that you can move two inches at the start with that um, pseudo on the move ability the upgrade has. So it's not an ability that's not going to be useful, although it is an ability that will be situationally useful based on your boards. Having free loot is nice, but the big thing for me is that extra movement and disguised on a model is really nice. Like I've been jamming Vix lately, and Ronin are already blindingly fast for their cost. Giving them two extra movement and disguised is just bananas. And now they get a bonus action that doesn't require them killing themselves. Yes, with more movement. I actually really like the idea of running two banditos with this. They don't have a bonus action, and they're going to make. They could make you drop a marker, and they kind of don't want to get charged. And they have quick getaway, so you walk up, you punch them, they run away. Banditos might be more viable in this new edition. And Train Ninja's gone. I really like the new Train Ninja upgrade. I know you were talking about really enjoying it with Asami. Oh, yes. Flick of the Wrist is great. Having, like, stunned on tap is so nice. <laughs> I understand why people like Pandora now. Yes, it is a very powerful condition that... You know, if you're going to move with a model that you put uh, Train Ninja on, you're probably not moving them into melee. So if you're not moving them into melee, you're probably not charging all that much on your turn, which means if you just need to go in a straight line, just charge, you'll move the same distance, and you'll get a free chance to stun somebody. That just makes your movement better. Mm -hmm. Stealth is always good. It's good that we got rid of the trained ninja samurai being deployed up the board and i say that because putting stealth on a model with armor 2 ridiculous wounds for his cost with armor 2 healing hitting as hard in melee if not harder than he does at range and a model that you can place in perfect position to shoot you with positives and having very little uh, way of responding once again non-interactive leads to feel bads. The fact that Fuhatsu and Tannen can't get it can't get the stealth either makes me particularly happy because Fuhatsu is he's got really abysmal stats, he's got victim stats, and now that he can't stack four or five focus and fast and be untouchable, maybe we won't have the metric for what your model what model you can hire it needs to be able to survive a uh, focused shot that does six damage yeah uh, overall i like the changes i i like yeah flick of the wrist is a nice action to have and i like how it 
really changes the dynamic of which models you're putting trained ninja on now it's not your heavily armored guys that are suddenly like silent as the night yeah right it, it feels more in, in tune with that on the whole i think the changes to the models and the errata have been good we did kind of end up talking reading through it a little bit i know we said we were going to try not to but i think i think what's really come out of this is that we're both excited for these changes and to see what happens with the models i know i'm also excited for the actual new stuff that we're going to play we were talking before the recording colgan that we have one new strat and what two officially new schemes and everything else is recycled with a few adjustments to previous schemes yeah we have break the line for the new strategy which really just feels i mean it's very similar to corrupted idols Except, you know, you don't have to take damage to move the things and you're moving them in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. um, and then we got Deathbeds and what, Bait and Switch? Bait and Switch. Yeah. As the two new schemes. I, I tell you, I am really excited with the direction that the pool went in this time. So the past two or three, yeah, so we had release, gaining ground zero, gaining grounds one. So in the past three packs before this one, there's always been at least one variant of score points for killing your enemy dudes. Mm -hmm. The closest we have is Turf War, which still involves interacting. We finally have a tournament pack where there's zero strategy that says, just play Warhammer. It sounds like you're probably in a similar position, but my least favorite strategies were Reckoning and Public Enemies. They were just, <laughs> they were just really boring to me. It, it always played that weird game of like, how do we reward you for killing without rewarding just all-star lists. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to play the thematic Lady Justice keyword in Public Enemies when you can take Lady Justice, Pale Rider, Lone Marshal, um, Fiona, etc., etc. I think the fact that the pack, the strats also, as we said earlier, require you spreading around the board means you can't do the Reckoning or Public Enemy plan of I just take guns, and I sit in my deployment zone, and I shoot you, and you don't interact with me. Yeah, my heart always sank a little when I would like look at the pool, and I'd be like, okay, I have no reason to ever leave my deployment zone. I don't want to do this, but if I want to win, I need to do this. <laughs> right. It's like I, I played a Ma player who had a list that was three Bushwhackers, three Survivors, and then some number of Rooster Riders. And it was like all all fourteen inch guns, and he was just like, "I'll just pulse out focus to my dudes, and you come at me." And by the time you get here, you'll have taken all these shots. Some of them are going to hit, especially with focus, and most of them had like spiky damage tracks. And mm -hmm. oh, you do get close. Well, here's a pit trap, and here's a ma tucket to beat you in the face with a spoon. It was again not interactive. Break the line is interesting because it encourages you to take a lot i think it encourages you to take a lot of models mm -hmm. because you're going to need to if you're starting on the center line each of you places one each of you place two so it doesn't have to be fully on the center line so you're you could place like some mostly on your opponent's side or mostly on your side however it ends up being and it take if you move it to each time to get to the uh that worth two points, you need to spend a lot of actions moving those. And unless you're like running all Scylla 
you're not going to get it's going to be very hard to get full points on that mm-hmm. so it i think that is a strategy that really rewards just taking a lot of little dudes and that's cool we've had so many elite focused games lately that seeing the opposite is nice the fact yeah that, i also sorry go ahead i was just gonna say the fact that they did change summoners to have the summons can't interact with strategy markers period full stop also means that you can't take the elite killy summoner list and then summon in your dudes to do the ski, the, the marker moving you have the same 50 points everyone else does to score the strategy yeah the the summon changes are really nice um it's again one of those other things that makes you feel less bad about taking summoners into into the game and yeah as far as break the line i really do like strategies that kind of like push you towards running some of the schemier crews that don't necessarily have as much hitting power because i'm sure it's been said a lot but like killing is always there's you're always going to be rewarded for killing right yeah but you're not necessarily gonna be rewarded like oh i can interact like so effectively (laughs) so it's kind of cool and to that end you know i was looking at the schemes um this is napkin math but roughly half roughly half of the schemes in the pool require the requiring interacting or scheme markers in some fashion Mm -hmm. there's about seven schemes that reference scheme markers there's about four of them that are reliant on where your model is and there's some overlap here and there's about six that revolve around killing it is split between scheming and killing pretty evenly but is skewed towards scheming and there's a strong presence about being in a certain spot on the board that is just really cool i think that the pool shows that it is shifted into this focus but even though it's shifted into a focus it's pretty evenly split so it's not like punishing melee crews. You can take a melee crew and a schemey crew into the pool, and both would probably do well. Whereas previously, so many of the scheme marker schemes in Gaining Grounds 1 were non-viable options, like mm-hmm. Sabotage and Runic Binding were effectively dead schemes. Whereas Vendetta, Claim Jump, and Let Them Bleed were ones that you would, all re- would reward you for doing what you already were planning on doing. Right, yeah, just the action efficiency wasn't there for the interact schemes. And if you yeah. geared so heavily towards that, chances are you're just going to get like destroyed before you even make it close enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now it's like, outflank, you need scheme markers and to be on the flanks. Well, I'm on the flanks in half the schemes, half the strategies anyway, because I'm trying to get to those markers that are either on the center line or on the opponent's deployment side. Yeah, it's it's much better there. The two schemes that are new uh deathbeds and bait and switch what are your feelings about them deathbeds is kind of interesting i i mean i feel like you're gonna have to have like certain crews in order to score it efficiently you know i you guys you're like looking at euripides and stuff like that um the two inch thing for the ski marker i i mean maybe i'll do better about it now but i remember in like gg zero with like detonate charges or all those things like trying to get like a ski marker within two inches of someone and then like killing them always felt like very touch and go Mm -hmm. like being able to set that up like making sure you have enough damage that you can afford to drop that interact because the second that marker goes down the opponent's like oh okay (laughs) i know what's going on there, there's a degree of telegraphing there that I think is going to be interesting to observe. What I am excited for is that we do have research mission in this packet. So we have research mission and we have deathbeds. 
both of which require non-scheme markers. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's going to be a lot more play for marker-based masters. And like half those marker-based masters are pretty beefy. You have Karis, you have Riva, you have Titania, you have Euripides, all who can easily dumpster somebody in a turn. Right. And get the marker down and do all that. I think you're right. It's going to be tricky to not telegraph it. And so some of those masters might need to use other tools in their toolbox. But we'll see how that goes. The end point of it does seem a lot easier to score. And I... In, in the schemes that I've been playing more, I kind of like that dynamic where like either the reveal or the end is much more difficult to score. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you can kind of get like a reliable point off of it, but then the second one is going to require like a lot more effort. Yeah. And then like that as opposed to like some other ones that have like the same reveal and end where it's kind of like an even amount of effort for both. Yeah, we'll see. And then I, I guess for the other one for bait and switch. So how, how do you feel about that one? I think bait and switch is a really fun way to punish alpha strikes for because mm-hmm. all these strategies encourage you getting into your opponent's side or at least getting to halfway. A lot of crews that would want to alpha strike you are now suddenly in a position of if I do this, my opponent is just going to pick my alpha model. And now if I do what I want to do with it, I could potentially give up a point. And if I'm not com- if I'm not committed to sending everything at my opponent, my opponent could get the second point easily. So it, it that in the pool makes you as a player question. I need a crew that can. It, it probably impacts crew selection more. If it if if you're building towards it, you want a crew that can counter punch well. Mm-hmm. And if you want to p- play around it, you want a crew that is mobile enough to get to the center, and if needs be, push into the enemy side to deny the end game point. Right. It's, I think it's interesting. What about you? Uh, I mean, like, honestly, looking at it, I I feel like if this is in the pool, I'm almost taking it every single time because I feel like you're always going to score one point off of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's very difficult for the opponent to try and deny you both points. Like, either you end up, like, winning the fight and pushing it so they can't get in your deploy zone. And it's like, okay, maybe you kill the model that, you're supposed to score the reveal off of, but they're not getting into your backline and you're going to get that end point. Mm-hmm. Or you start losing the fight and like a four inch leash on the scheme marker is very generous. It is. It, you know, it's not difficult to do. Like they, you know, four inches past the center line isn't much. And, you know, if you have a lure, that's, it's a pretty reliable point to score. I feel like, you know, like after they activate, you just leer them and then drop an interact or drop a scheme marker. And it's like, all right, well, we're going to grab this point. And it's something that you can reasonably leave till like the last activation of the turn where the opponent, you know, can't really do much to prevent it at that point. And it's hard to like, tr- you know, if you have lure on the table, it's going to, and you're playing things like all of these strategies, they have some kind of pressure to move you towards the center line. And a lot of these schemes, you know, like so many things require you, you to be on the opponent's side of the board that it's going to be really hard to deny the reveal mm-hmm. if they're pushing into your side. 100%. Yeah, it's it's good. I think these together really do encourage that interactive play that makes the game fun. One last bit. We had a few changes a few changes to the rules. I don't think we want to go over all of them, 
but there were a few things that were significant. The things that were significant, first off, I just want to say, for those of you new to the show, check out in our feed the episodes that are titled You Make the Call, because in those, Jeff and I alternately will find uh, pedantic rules issues that we will dive into because we are both, you know, weird that way. And one of the episodes Jeff talks about is terrifying and the timing of terrifying and take the hit. And one of the episodes I talked about were how blast markers technically aren't removed as a sequence of the blast action resolving. And this FAQ and errata did away with both of those. So you're welcome. Um, The other things are the towards and away changes may read very confusing, but at the end of the day, it's, it's simple. If you've played other games with uh, charge moves, like uh, I'm thinking of Age of, Age of Sigmar, when you charge towards someone, you don't have to go in a straight line from center to center. Mm-hmm. You just got to go and end closer to the target, taking a straight line while you do it. That's the kind of idea here. You're, <laughs> you're moving along a line. It's just that the points of that line aren't the center point of the model anymore. Now, I know you, Kogan, were talking about how summoning and focus and distracted changes were big deals. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we touched on them a little bit earlier, but summoning now that every summon model gets a summon upgrade, either in the form of an actual upgrade or a summon token, is great. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it just felt kind of dumb that, like, oh, this, <laughs> this summoner, just, the master summoner is a little bit worse at summoning. Yeah, or or I remember at least once I had someone who was, I think, playing Vincent with Riva, and he was like, oh, you summoned that Bayou Gremlin. And I had taken the upgrade off with uh, mm-hmm. uh, the non-existent trigger. He he saw something that I had summoned, and he shot it. He was like, I'm going to declare exorcism. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. He's just a model that doesn't have a summon upgrade. The other problem with summons that didn't have summon upgrades were that they just cheekily denied schemes like let them bleed. Yeah. There was at least one game where I took Spawn Mother, summoned Gups, and just ran the Gups into the far corners because they were significant models with stealth and let them believe was in the pool and i was just like here here's here's a model that will just deny you casually the uh end point of that scheme if you took it and if you didn't oh no i, I wasted a model that does nothing you're the worst yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah but overall are all good changes and then the gg2 thing where they can't interact with strategy markers I really like it because now there's more emphasis on hiring with these summoner masters rather than <laughs> I'm just going to take whatever is like the best models in my faction and then I'll make up the difference with all the stuff I can summon in on like nines and elevens. Right. It's means that everyone comes to the same, comes to the table with the same starting amount of stones for scoring points. The schemes can uh, summons can do schemes like you can have a summon be outflanking on the turn after it was summoned Mm -hmm. so it gives your opponent a chance to interact with it there's no more oops i just walked twice with asami and summoned a tengu in position to deny your scheme or whatever i'm sorry to um score outflank it does only they they're only ignored for friendly schemes and strategies. So do keep an eye out for the fact that if your opponent took claim jump or is looking like they took claim jump, you can still summon a dude next to them because from the enemy's perspective, that model 
isn't friendly, so it's not ignored for friendly schemes and strategies. Just right. like a summoned model can't interact with strategy markers, but a lodestone token is not a strategy marker, so it can receive the lodestone and run to score a um, strategy point in corrupted ley lines. So, like, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, I, I think it's it's just a great change. Like, it helps yeah. bring down the summoner power level without having to, like, go to each and every summoner and see, like, all right, what are things we can, like, rip out and still keep them mostly functioning? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, at the end of the game, you know, at the end of the day, the game's all about scoring points. So if your summoners can't, are less useful at scoring your points, that's already going to kind of balance, like, how useful they are depending on the situation, which is good. Now you have to make meaningful choices at all stages of the game. Mm-hmm. I hate making choices. I don't play this game to make choices. You just use it to pump out useless gups that hide in the corner. Yes, I only play this game to summon gups. That, that is <laughs> that is my victory condition. <laughs> but one of the things that helps me make fewer choices in this life is the change to focus and distracted. Mm. Because let me tell you, capping distract, capping focus and not capping distracted means that building an engine to to give someone Super Saiyan levels of focus, it's not worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. Which means you're not going to dirtle as much. Which means now you don't have to think about what's my ultimate Rube Goldberg machine. Now I can think about actually playing the game. Purely selfishly here, that means that I have less impetus to sit at work and think about these combos and actually like do my job. Um, so thanks, Weird, <laughs> for, for saving my employment. Yeah, the I, I don't have a lot more to add. Uh, the changes are fine. I think Focus Kings are fun, and we had our time. They had their moment in the sun, and I'm okay with them not being, not being a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like surprise, surprise, hiring two rat catchers with wanted criminal, actually probably pretty good. Oh, you can't charge my guy. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, my guy walked away from you because of terrain nearby. That's a shame. Oh, you dropped a scheme marker because Benny shot you. I'm going to take that for a card, thanks. I think you're going to see Hamlin specifically. I think you're going to see Hamlin players hiring at least one catcher, if not two. If they're going to do the Benjin, I actually think you're going to see the Midnight Stalker. Because Midnight Stalker's um, ability, work of art, drops a scheme marker and doesn't have a TN. So you can just yell at somebody to make them drop a marker. Which helps build the um, the base of rats to loyal rats at tiny hats and then unclean influence into. But the big thing there is the Hamlin engine that was summoning a bunch of focus rat kings. Now you can't get a bunch of focus. And two, if you summon the rat catchers, they can't score your strategies. They can't interact with strategy markers for you. So you're going to see more variety in, in Hamlin list building, which is all good. Yeah, I like how like all these changes, you know, like shaking up the strats and schemes so much that they're a lot more focused on like interacting, dropping scheme markers, and actually interacting with your opponent. And all these nerfs, like, I feel like they're good because now it's like forcing people to just go out of like the most obvious, like best line of play for like these masters or these keywords. And it'll be really cool just to see what happens in the meta now. And, you know, maybe six months later, we'll find the new cancer and start whining about GG3. Oh, you know it's going to happen. <laughs> My top predictions. Let, here, let, uh, let's let end this off by both of us making a 
gratuitously outlandish prediction and see if it comes true. I'll go first. I am going to say right now that Guild is going to become the dominant faction because of Bass and Perdita's crew and their ability to spread out and score points in GG2 packet. Hmm. They are going to be the meta boogeyman. I feel like Yoko is just going to become like maybe the top master in 10 Thunders now that Yanlo and <laughs> McCabe have been taken down a notch. Spicy, I like it. I mean, like, it, it's so cool now that she can reliably proc her own abilities. It's it's so interesting. <laughs> I know, she can do things. I mean, I, I really like her resource play now, but I guess we'll set up another episode so we can hear all your thoughts after you going through your whole series about learning Chi and Gong. Well, we might have to redo that series because I haven't touched Chi and Gong in uh, four months, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it might be rediscovering Chi and Gong. Either way, I we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that later. I think that's enough for today. So yeah, any any final thoughts, Colin? Nope, just that. Really looking forward to see how this goes and seeing if we're both right or if we're both horribly wrong. And you know what? If we're both horribly wrong, tell us. You know, right on our Facebook page. Join our Discord. Send us an email, join our Patreon, and send us messages through there. You know, we if if you want to. You know, we wanna be a part of the greater Malifaux community. And right now, you know, Colgan and I we're talking from both sides of the continental United States, but we wanna go wider. So if you're listening, reach out. We wanna talk and have fun with this game. Thanks everybody. Yep, thanks everyone. Have a nice night.